2024. And here we are back. True Social's back better than ever. Lee Smith, one of our favorite guests from throughout the years. Welcome back to the Devin Nunes podcast in 2024. I hope you all really enjoyed Victor Davis Hansen at the end of last year, right before Christmas. It was a it was a great episode. If you haven't, go back and go back and review it, uh, listen to it, or uh, watch it on Rumble. Uh, but Lee Smith, the great author, New York Times bestseller, foreign correspondent, lived overseas for many years, lived in Washington D.C., escaped out of Washington D.C. Yeah. Probably no one better at covering the deep state than Lee Smith. Lee. Welcome to 2024. It's great to be uh, to be catching the relay from Victor Davis Hanson at the end of 2023 and to bring the Devin Nunes podcast with all of our Truth Social friends and others into 2024. Thank you. Great to be with you. Happy New Year to you, your family, and uh, and all of our great viewing audience. Well, thank you, Lee. And how's South Carolina treating you? Christmas was uh, beautiful. Good. New Year's was good. Beautiful. We had a great time. Everything's going great. You know, for I, I don't know about, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but you know, in Puerto Rico, where I was born, where my late mother is from, we ha- we really celebrate the twelve days of Christmas. And tomorrow is uh, what they call in Puerto Rico the Three Kings Day, Reyes Magos. Oh, so, you've been, you know, the, yeah. so you've been having Christmas like for the last three weeks, basically. Yes, it's been fantastic. So tomorrow. Uh, Junior's going to wake up. The three kings will have visited him and will bring him his, his last presents. So tomorrow is actually our last day of Christmas. So it's been a great season. That's, that sounds great. Well, yeah. Lee, there's been no shortage of shenanigans that are going on. Yeah. I think what, yeah. what what I'd like to cover uh, today, kind of get your take on the tensions in the Middle East. They continue to escalate. Um, we'll roll into the pro-Hamas party, pro-terrorist party, the Democratic yeah. Party today. Even this morning, I was uh, the Democrats were having some press conference attacking Trump or, or what have you uh, outside the Capitol. And you'll love this, Lee. They were interrupted by the pro-Palestinian uh, protesters, which I don't know, you know which <laughs> yeah. are the Democratic wow. Party. Um, right. So they, so the Democrats are heading into this year. Um, the best thing they want this, this, they want this war to end faster than anybody else because it's it's really dividing yes. their party. Um, but yes. I think it's also showing the danger. What kind of radical Islam, Lee, that nobody's yeah. more knowledgeable about radical Islam than you um, because you lived over there in the 2000s. I don't know for what better yeah. part of the 2000s you were there, wrote books on the subject. Um, yeah. But, you know, that it's, it's unbelievable to see things that are being said in the United States um, by what we would term 20 years ago as radical Islamic extremism. Yeah. Uh, it's alive and well, not to mention that Biden's let 12 million people or so come yeah. across the border right. from 180 different countries. This isn't just the poor guy trying to get out of mm-hmm. uh, Mexico or Guatemala, come over here and work. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, I mean, every country is represented. There has to be an orchestrated effort by the Chinese and other adversaries to put military yep. age men into this country. Um, you know, we've covered that last year on, on this podcast, mm-hmm. but Lee, why don't we just start off with your view, give us kind of the world tour of the picture in the Middle East from your vantage point, and then we'll yeah. move into the, the radicals here in the Democratic Party. Okay. In this country. All right. That sounds good. I, th- I think that one of the things I, I would point um, to two different spots and the spot that a lot of people 
have been talking about since October 7th, of course, is, is Israel and the Palestinian territories, in particular Gaza. And everyone knows what's happened, uh, what happened on October 7th, uh, this you know horrific massacre. Um, and of course, uh, Israel has been working to uproot Hamas and destroy it entirely. There's a, a, a another theater, right? Well, there's there's a theater to Israel's north, and that's Hezbollah, right? We've seen some, um, you know, we've seen some back and forth there. But the really important theater I, I want people to focus on right now, that I think is a little bit neglected, is in the Red Sea, where the Houthis, another Iranian-supported group, right? The Iranians back Hamas, the Iranians mm -hmm. back Hezbollah, but the Houthis are firing. Have, they've been firing at American ships. They've been firing at other ships. And this is an, a, an enormously uh, dangerous thing that's maybe, going on. Just so the viewers, and maybe we can get a map that shows everything. We're looking at Israel, yeah. Gaza Strip. Um, but, right. but Lee, and I know you know this, but just to back up a little bit, yeah. the Houthis are in Yemen. And right. they're blocking right. one of the global uh, passageways. Right. And of course, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago with Victor mm -hmm. Davis Hansen, you know, the real the, the real reason we have a military and the whole purpose of creating the Navy going back originally was in the right. reason for not just being able to patrol our shores was be able to project force to make sure uh, for the free flow of trade, to make sure that United States right. products could get to where they need to go and to make sure that products that we don't have here in the United States can get to the United States to be kind of that police force that's out there to make sure that waterways right. are uninhibited. And I think, look, there's a lot of reasons that the Biden administration looks really weak, but this yeah. is a joke. I mean, my grandfather was in World War II in the Navy for right. five years, yeah. um, you know, all this time, like what in the holy hell are they doing? Like right. you can't even do the, the Houthis, some radical uh, a group, right. you can't even keep the Suez Canal open. Is, is this a joke? And you um, know, nobody, of course, is talking about mm -hmm. this, but this is yep. this is preposterous. I mean, we're spending billions, hundreds of billions of dollars a year. We have a United States Navy. Right. This is their job. And there we have the map yep. up on the screen. And not a damn thing's been done about it. And this has been going on for like 45 days, disruption uh, of the sea lanes. I mean, it's it's pathetic. If if I'm a leader right. in the United States Navy, if you're in the Biden administration, you are a a, a laughing stock right now. Right. I mean, a, why a lot do we even of, have a navy? I mean, we ought to just bring them all, bring exactly. all the ships back home, put it around, you know, protect our shores. I mean, because right. you can't even keep the Suez Canal. And look, Lee, did, did the Houthis even have a navy? No, of I course not. Well, I mean, the Houthis have, you know, the Houthis have pirate ships. Right. They have speedboats. They have drones. And a lot of these things are coming from the th this is coming from the Iranians. This is an Iranian project. And you're absolutely right, Devin. This was this was why our Navy, our Navy was founded to fight off, defend off the Barbary pirates. And certainly since World War II, this has been one of the most important services that the United States provides to the world. But it's not just to benefit the world. This, this, this benefits Americans to keep these important vital shipping lanes open. It's, it's, it's vital to our national security. It's vital to our economy as well, right? We see that all of these different major container shipping lines like Maersk, which I think it's number two in the world right now, they're not going to go through the Red Sea at all. So if they're coming down, uh, if they're coming down uh, 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 underneath Africa, 
that is going to add a lot of expense, a lot of cost, and that's going to come out on Americans. But the big thing, again, is we need to keep those shipping lanes open, but you think it's bad now. This is the other thing that people need to be talking about. If you think it's bad now that the Houthis with speedboats are able to shut down shipping lanes, what happens when Iran gets the nuclear bomb that the Barack Obama, Joe Biden faction of the Democratic Party wants to make sure they have? We've been talking about this for years, and everyone's like, oh, it doesn't really matter if the Iranians get the bomb, or it's only fair, isn't it, that the Israelis have the bomb, or... You know, the regime isn't radical. They're, they, you know, they're, they're, they're interested in their own existence, right? And they know if they were to use a bomb that would finish off the regime. Well, this is one of the major things, right? Shutting down shipping lanes. And of course, what, what we're likely to see with an Iranian nuclear bomb and what we may see even without an Iranian nuclear bomb is right now it's container shipping lanes. What happens when it's energy as well? The idea that we're giving the Iranians the ability to set the price of oil is insane that they can hold that they can hold energy global energy markets hostage just with the houthis they're not doing it yet but they may is absolutely nuts and the so fact that the biden on. administration won't do anything about it is is ridiculous so lee let's move to the let's move to the north yeah. and i should say we're talking to lee yeah. smith lee smith you can follow him on true social he also is on epic times uh, lee you have a new show on the epic times um, yeah. you have, oh, and your locals channel through rumble, you have that, that people can join and support you. Um, but also Epic times, you have a new show. It's like a book review because yeah. I've been on it before a uh, yeah. book review show that, um, you know, I don't know, briefly talk about that and then we'll head back to, back yeah. to Israel. Oh, I mean, uh, it, it's a great show. It's called words that matter. And we bring on people who have new, we bring in people to talk about books. So Kat, the great Cash Patel came on to talk about his great new book. He was our premier guest. But we have other people that come in and talk about old books. Um, we have people coming in to try to figure out how they're going to write a book. So you uh -huh. have to come on sometime, figure out a book that you want to talk about. And really, it can be how about, anything. How about wine? Do you talk about wine on your show? Can we talk you about know what wine? we'll do? You know what we'll do? We we'll will a get wine a wine book. I want you to recommend a wine book and we'll talk about a great wine book. And then from there, we'll talk about wine. And congratulations, by the way. I had I had a bottle of Patriot uh, Christmas Day with friends. And wow, oh. what an amazing, what an amazing wine. Thank you so well, much for it. That was really spectacular. Well, Made it an even better Christmas. Well, thank you uh, for that. And thank you to all of you who have joined the the, the wine club. It's, it's been a lot of fun and people posted on True Social. It's great. Let's go back to, um, so I want to get your rundown on the status of, of Netanyahu, what they're doing in the Gaza Strip. Yeah. Seems like they've finally kind of broken away and they're ignoring Biden and Team Obama that are trying to, you know, this peace movement. And then, of course, it's it's right. causing havoc within the Democratic Party all over this country. Right. I mean, I look, thank God we're not in New York City uh, or or Washington, D.C., because, you know, they're shutting. I mean, you're originally from New York, um, but, yeah. they, you know, shut down. These radicals are shutting down the bridge. I mean, mm -hmm. stuff that even five or 10 years ago would not have been tolerated in this country is now right. like the norm. We have radical Islamists that are right. running around, shutting down bridges, blocking traffic, uh, tearing up Christmas right. trees. Matter of fact. Um, so we'll come to, let's go to Netanyahu um, yeah. and all of that. But I want to first go to, I think we have a video of the Christmas tree fiasco yeah. in uh, New Our York. Birthday. Let's play that real quick. Yeah. 
I think we'll play it. Right. No. Nah. <laughs> oh, well, that was quick. That was real fast. Hey, it's heartbreaking. شهید شدن صدای انفجار در نزدیکی گلزار شهده کرمان در مسیر منتعی به مزار حجقاسه نیروهای امنیتی مردم دعوت با آرامش All right, so that was actually Soleimani. Um, I, I know radicals there, but but that's it's it's good video, Lee, because it does bring well, in well, things that have happened right, here in the last couple of weeks. That's very important because that shows. I mean, so far the attribution that's been uh, that attack has been attributed to the Islamic State. I mean, whether how much whether we should take that seriously or not, we'll see. Uh, we'll see over the coming days and weeks. The important thing is that shows how broad Iran's war is. Iran's war is not just against the United States, though it's fundamentally against the United States, and it's not just against Israel. It's also against all sorts of Sunnis in the region. It's against uh, the Sunni states like Saudi Arabia, like Egypt, but it's also against Sunni radicals. So that just shows what Iran is in the middle of and the chaos the destabilization that Iran is responsible for. Right. As we continue to try to make a deal with Iran. Uh, what's your quick take right. on Netanyahu, yeah. uh, Lee? Um, no. The, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's it. His days are numbered. You, oh. you know, they've politically there, they've thrown out the reforms that he made that got him into yeah. political heat. And I think that caused right. all this. I, mean, I think overall, there's lots of conspiracy theories out there, but, right. you know, you had, um, you know, kind of a, a, a quiet civil war kind of brewing there in Israel yes. um, between, you know, the left who wanted to keep, you know, who wanted to keep their, you know, continual uh, kind of harassment of, of Israel, which is really a center right country and has been for a long time. Yeah. Netanyahu was trying to fix that issue. And I don't want to dive into that, but um, you know, I think conventional wisdom is that Netanyahu, Netanyahu, this is it for him. Um, the question is how much longer do you think, you're going to see this war go on for in Gaza? And then right. what is your thought on Netanyahu's ability yeah. to survive in the short term and then, of course, the long term? Right. Well, you see a whole bunch of pressure um, coming from the United States and coming from the international community as well for Israel to stop it. I don't think I, I think that Israel will move into different phases. But I saw a video report from a friend and colleague, Jonathan Spire, Israeli journalist, and he's in uh, he's in Gaza right now. And the way he explains it is, is that the uh, Israeli military, uh, again, one of the most important things is to go underground to destroy the tunnel system and Jonathan's report is that the Israelis are doing a very good job. It's pain. It's it's painstaking work, but they are doing it. So, look, an important thing I think to keep in mind when we see the number of uh, of Israeli uh, soldiers who who have been killed fighting in Gaza. It, it's important to put ourselves in the minds of the Israelis after October seventh and all the sacrifices that young Israelis have made on the battlefield. Uh, I think that all of Israel realizes that they have to show that they can protect themselves and that they can live in their country. Otherwise, they're in a lot of trouble. So the the the, the sacrifices that are being made right now are very, very important. But the Israelis believe that they absolutely have to do this. It's an existential matter for the state of Israel. And um, it looks to me like they're getting it done. When you're talking about Netanyahu, I mean, I think that Right now, short term, the country is basically behind Netanyahu. 
Um, but of course, well, of course, what we're going to see in a democracy like Israel, it happened in the United States, right? After 9-11, George Bush had a certain amount of support, uh, or he had a lot of support, and that evaporated very quickly. So we're going to see some of that in Israel. And I would say, given that framework, I would say the um, I would say Israel is much more coherent right now behind Netanyahu than we might otherwise expect in a uh, in a democracy. Uh, as long term, it's very hard to tell right now. I think a lot of that's going to depend on what happens over the over the next few months. What happens if Netanyahu has to uh, has to go against the Biden administration publicly? How people respond to that, and a lot of it's going to depend on on what happens in Gaza. It's going to depend on it's going to depend on whether or not whether or not Israelis are able to move back to the south of the country and the north of the country. If this military operation of this enormous campaign is able to restore all of Israel. Remember, this is very important that what happened after October 7th, hundreds of thousands of Israelis moved from the south of the country and also from the north of the country to get out of Hezbollah's range to the center of the country. They have to be able to go back and they have to feel confident that they can live throughout the country. And if that's successful, uh, I think we're looking at, um, well, again, that's that's uh, that will decide uh, Netanyahu's fate in many ways. Yeah, and I and and look, there's so many they can handle what's uh, Gaza Strip. They'll eventually they'll annihilate Hamas there and probably mm -hmm. occupy it for the foreseeable future. But what the Israelis really have limited capability to do, and that is to to contain the rest of the radical Islamists, whether it's the Iranian uh, regime uh, or ISIS, et cetera, with the Sunni uh, right. radicals. Um, there's a lot of forces at bay there of which, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, the U.S. Navy looks like a like unbelievable, the Biden administration um, and the way that they're running the U.S. Navy looks unbelievably weak at this point. But also heading in 2024 here, uh, just like I said this morning, the radical Islamists and the pro-Hamas wing of the Democratic Party are dividing uh, the party in two. And I want to play this from your old city, New York City. This happened uh, uh, just in the past weeks. And let's play play the video and get your comments. NYPD officers sprinted through 6th Avenue Wednesday night where police clashed with protesters off 47th Street, blocks away from the Rockefeller Center tree lighting. This is the ebb and flow of protests. You know, we try to keep it calm. We let people move. We let them exercise their right. Sometimes things get a little hectic, but we're going to do our best out here to keep everybody safe. More than a thousand people gathered for the demonstration in support of Palestinians. Earlier, protest organizers told us they anticipated a peaceful night. All we're asking for is an end to the ongoing bombing of Gaza, the end to the siege and blockade that continues to place a chokehold on the Palestinian people. But arrests swiftly began, starting with a fight breaking out over someone holding up a sign of a swastika. Throughout the night, the NYPD tried to contain the group by holding lines and putting up barricades, but tensions escalated. Reaching a boiling point when some protesters and officers squared off, throwing fists and falling to the ground. Crowd came and attacked, and uh, it was a melee. Eventually, the barricades and cops could not contain the crowd. People broke through and began marching through the streets, while officers continued to make one arrest after another. 
So Lee, I used to, when I used to have to go to New York City in my old role to have to, uh, when I was in Congress and you used to have to go up there two or three times a year, I always stayed just, I don't know, four or five blocks from where that incident took place. I mean, look, I have no desire to go into New York City anymore. It looks like a, yeah. a hellhole with radical Islamists running all over it, which I don't even know if they're radical Islamists. I mean, they could be for all we know, they could be, we had these Jews for Palestine that are you know, yeah. actually promoting their own demise. So I don't know, I shouldn't say they're all uh, even Islamists at all. I mean, some of them are right. Jews, some of them are, are you know, left-wing kids, some of them are old white hippies. Um, but right. the bottom line is, 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 you know, attacking, you know, Christmas tree, uh, during right. Christmas time, I think was their point. Well, it's it's heartbreaking because I remember grow, you know I grew up in New York as a kid, and that's that was kind of the core of Christmas season. You know, I'd go there with my mom and dad, my brothers and sister, Rockefeller Center and Christmas tree, I and mean, what a beautiful thing. So, I, I a lot of this does have to do with uh, Arab and Muslim populations in New York City now, but a lot of it, a lot of it, as you were saying. It's uh, it's leftist. We're seeing we're it's basically a replay of the George Floyd riots. Right. They're they found another cause um, and they're out there and it's supported by the same people. Remember, the same people, the same people are supporting this. It's it's, jo it's George the, Soros. Uh, George exactly. Soros, big money behind it. Exactly. Who also, ten, ten, ironically, 10 to 15 million. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically. Uh, is Jewish. And I mean, it's, right. it's a, one of the hardest things to explain. One of the richest men in the world funds these type right. of operations that attack, you know, the, you know, his ancestry of which right. he as a kid was part of that. Yeah. It's um, it's uh, George Soros is a twisted story all on his own. We could, we, we, we could devote a, a week's worth of shows to that and and, and his psychology but yeah, one of the big problems is again that they have found another cause to rally around. But interestingly, as you've put it, and a lot of people haven't a little a lot of people are starting to see this now. But the stuff that we saw in public going on at Harvard, right? When a lot of the kids were out there and they're protesting and they're pro-Hamas and they're anti-Semitic and the calls for you know for murdering Jews just absolutely re repugnant. But we saw a lot of um, a lot of trustees, a lot of donors at places like Harvard and other prestigious universities like Stanford, um, MIT, University of Pennsylvania, take their money out of there. And there's they were also they're also taking their money out of the Democratic Party, which is a very important thing. And so you're talking about how the Democratic Party is basically splitting along these lines. Um, and if you're a Republican voter. And if you want to, if you want to push out the administration that has brought such misery to Americans, whether it's through open borders, whether it's through weaponization of the federal government, uh, whether it's through any number of different policies, this is this is actually pretty good news. So we have the violence on the street, which is terrible, the insanity on the street, the radicalization of uh, of American cities. But insofar as it's splitting the Democratic Party. I take that as a pretty good thing. Yeah. Well, Lee, one of the reasons that uh, you can flee DC, you know, New York City, DC, uh, move down to South Carolina, um, and you know that I can actually be you know anywhere, um, and we can still reach people, um, is because of this transition that we've seen happen over the last few years of people getting away from 
the the Twitter, Facebook, Instagrams, YouTubes, and moving to places like True Social. Before True Social, yeah. there was Parlor that got taken out, um, and then also you know with Rumble, we're on we're on Rumble right now live. Uh, Lee and you know, look, just you know, you yeah. and I, and we're, we have you know, I don't know three or four thousand people that are watching this live. Yeah. Um, and kind of the final, because, you know, going into the new year, this is going to be critically yeah. important to keep this infrastructure open yes. um, for the flow of ideas when, you know, if true social didn't exist, if Rumble didn't exist, the lunatics that you see there that are in New York City, everywhere else, they're, you know, they control, you know, we, we know about the weaponization of the FBI. Right. Nobody knows that more than you. Right. Uh, their stranglehold over these big tech tyrants uh, is enormous. And they quell our, our our freedom of speech. And here at True Social, what right. we're doing is we're opening that highway. The highway is mm -hmm. open, and you know we're working with great companies like Rumble, yeah. so that you know here on a Friday afternoon, wind down Friday, you and I can have this conversation. Um, today I'm in California, be headed back to right. Florida uh, over the weekend, but you're in South Carolina, and we can reach all of these people who are who yeah. are watching this live. I mean, they don't have to wait to find it on a podcast somewhere. They can tune in. And watch it live. So, I mm. want to get kind of your take, Lee, as you look at the, kind of the comms wars um, yeah. and keeping this this internet open. I know you've been doing a lot of research uh, into this, yeah. following these wars. Um, right. What I call, you know, communication warfare. Yeah. General Flynn wrote a, you know, kind of wrote a, a book similar about this. Mm. Um, but what do you foresee in the comms wars in 2024? Well, yeah, as you know, Devin, I'm working on a large project about this, and and Truth Social and and Rumble are uh, are are the pillars. Truth Social and Rumble are are very very important actors. And I, I researching this and and writing this, I, I I I had no idea actually. I mean, I knew the role of social media a little bit, and I knew the role of the intelligence services a little bit. FBI, DHS, you know, that sub agency at DHS that was throwing people. Um, banning people, suspending people on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, but it's enormous. And this really is what's going on. This really is where the fight is. This really is where the war is. You know, and you and I have spoken about how important, um, how important it is to fight censorship. And people need, really need to understand. One of the interviews I had was with a, a gentleman named Scott Atlas, and he was President Trump's advisor on coronavirus. And he pointed right. out, he said, he said, look, it's not just, um, it's not just violating people's first amendment rights as important as that is. He says, I'm a doctor. I was the president's advisor. People died. They censored me. They censored me and people died because we were not able to have this debate. We were not able to have this argument. So one of the things that we're looking at this year, I have, I actually, I, I, I've, I've got a pretty clear map of what happened not just in 2016, but in 2020 and how important social media is. And so what I think we all need to be looking at now is the different things that are going to be happening in 2024, because we know how they operate. We know that what the surface is. When they start saying stuff, um, once they start saying stuff en masse, right? Remember a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas, we had all these different publications talking about Trump the dictator, whether it's the Washington yeah. Post, Time <laughs> Magazine, yeah. right? Everyone, yeah. when all of these things start to happen, there's something else going on as well. So mm -hmm. I think for us to be looking at how this is happening and for us to understand, because they actually tell you all the time what they're doing. They told us that they were doing Russiagate. 
They told us, though, they told us their plans for the 2020 election. And they're informing us now, telling us what they're doing for 2024. Now, granted, a lot of this is public, right? Whether it's the lawfare operations against Donald Trump, but some of it's going to be going on behind the scenes too. So we should be looking at evidence. And the place this comes out, again, it's amazing to see it. It's going to be on social media, right? They're going to try to shut down their opponents on social media. They're going to try to silence their opponents on social media. And they will be not only promoting... Um, promoting their own uh, their own players, their own actors. They'll be messaging to each other on social yeah. media. And well, and, look is, at, and they do it every day, Lee. You see it with just the constant, it's, you know, the fake news, continual attacks on, you know, True Social or right. Rumble on a daily basis that's essentially trying to, you know, build this aurora out there for, you know, and look, a lot of these people are friends of mine, but you know, they read the fake news. And even though they've been around fake news for 20 years, right. a lot of my former colleagues are people in politics and they still have to gravitate, you know, back to, right. you know, Twitter or Instagram or YouTube. Right. And it's like, you know, in this day and age, you're a Republican, you know, uh, a player in Republican politics. Right. If you don't understand what's happening here, you need to wake up. And that's why I always tell right. people, look, you better get yourself. I learned a long time ago when right. I was being shadow banned on, on, on all the platforms, you better get yourself a true social account and a rumble account right. um, if you want to be a player on the you know oh, in, the, I, in the free I, speech I, movement. I think over the next few months, especially if people are not on Truth Social and Rumble, they might be uh, you know they, they might be up for some very very ugly surprises because again we've seen that we've seen the way that they've gone after President Trump, the way they've gone after his aides, mm -hmm. the way they've gone after his supporters, right? They're they're going to do it again, and they're going to leave nothing, no stone unturned in the run up to 2024. So yeah, pe yeah, people do not want to be silenced heading into 2024, and they're going to need information, true information. So, true social Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg just essential. sold. I I read that Zuckerberg just sold. Remember, he put an astonishing amount of money uh, into the 2020 right. election. So. You can be you can you can you know claim that you know you think the election was perfect if you believe that, but you cannot argue that a bit, you know one of the richest men in the world putting in four hundred million dollars into right. into just a handful of states and into a handful of counties. Right. If you think that's legal, I guarantee you. Right. If that was you know I don't know pick Sheldon Adelson or you know who now passed away but right. uh, well known Republican donor had he done right. that, they would have prosecuted. Oh, yeah. They went after all his people. There would have been full blown oh, investigation. Sure. FBI would have knocked down his doors and said, You just spent $430 million, oh. Sheldon Adelson, to do what? But with Zuckerberg, what's he doing? He just sold right. more stock, building some place over in uh, you know, over in Hawaii, I don't know, some bunker or something. Um, but but look, I don't have any issues. Zuckerberg, he owns his companies, he started right. the companies, and we have true social, we work with Rumble. Everybody can pick their poison of where they want to be. But I do have a problem when somebody can essentially circumvent all the election laws that I used to have to go to. I'm still I still do, um, you know, and, and all of my you know former colleagues and people in politics. And one guy can just come in and put, you know, four hundred million dollars into right. a, you know a few states like how, how does this happen in today's world? And then, you know, later they brag about it. So I don't know. Did he just. Did he just sell four hundred million dollars worth of stock? I don't know. You know, who knows if that's even real because I'd read it in fake news. But um, is he going to spend this money again this year or is he already spending it? Do we even know?
I, I, well, I, I have a, I have a particular perspective on Zuckerberg, and that is that actually, and I think you and I have talked about this. Zuckerberg is not the worst of them, right? I think that what they've done is they've tried to, because Zuckerberg's um, financial model depends on him keeping some on, on not entirely alienating conservatives, right? Zuckerberg is for older people. I mean, Zuckerberg, Facebook is for older people. It's not for kids, right? So there's going to be more conservatives on Facebook than there are on, say, uh, Snapchat or Instagram. So they're trying to get Zuckerberg to, th to silence conservatives as much as possible. And so when he hasn't done what they've done, that th they punish him. And I look at that 400 million... Look, He's obviously a Democrat, but in lots of ways, I look at that $400 million like that was a penalty. They were fining him for letting too many conservatives uh, still have their voice, something of a voice on Facebook. So again, if that's yeah. the way they're handling one of their own, again, the way they're going to be coming after conservatives over the next 10 months, it's going to be something to behold. And I keep warning people, it's going to be exciting. Uh, so buckle in. But Again, if you want to be able to have real information, if you want to understand what's happening, you're going to have to be on platforms where people have freedom of speech, and that's Truth Social and Rumble. Thank you, Lee Smith, for joining us. I know it was a little cut short. Technology, you never know. We had a little, that's little, uh, but it's been great. You've, you've, you've looked fine th this whole, the whole time. But <laughs> all right, uh, you can follow uh, Lee Smith. Uh, on True Social. You can also follow him on Rumble with locals and you'll be ready to go. So Lee, we will catch you next week. Devin, thank you. God bless. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Three Kings Day.